All right, welcome to another Prague Report podcast. Thank you, everybody, for checking out the station. If you haven't seen, we just launched a Prague Report radio. It's available on our website, on our Facebook. It's also through Live 365 if you have that app. And, uh, you know, we're playing music all day long, 24-7. A lot of new things, a lot of classic Prague that if you're into uh, good music, it's a station for you to check out. We're going to start featuring more and more programming on there. But I'm really excited for... The show we have today, you know, it's not often we get to speak to just the top of the top Prague guys here. So I'll just let him introduce himself. <laughs> hey, man. What's up? Mike Portnoy here. Thank <laughs> you. Right. The top of the top. Thank you, man. <laughs> no, the, top of the, what, the top of most of the poppermost. I think that's what the Beatles used to say. Is it? No, thanks for doing this, man. This is always a treat to speak to you. I mean, we've had a number of interviews when you're promoting various projects and the chance to do something a little bit different. We were throwing back ideas, Mike and I, on on what to do uh, uh, as far as a cool list here. And um, actually, we we came up with a way to look back at his uh, sort of musical history through all the different covers that he's done with all his various projects. If you followed his long career with Dream Theater, Transatlantic, Neil Morris, Liquid Tension, all, all of those bands, there's always a bonus disc with really cool covers, unexpected things, you know, from the Osmonds to the Beatles to Rush or whatever. And uh, I think they all come from a certain place, right, in your history that there's a reason why you picked some of those. Yeah, I mean, you know, as you probably know, I'm the biggest music fan you'll ever meet. And I'm just like you or just like any of the other listeners out there. You know, I'm just a, a collector and I just love music. And it ranges all across the board from metal to pop to, to prog and so, yeah, you know, when you approached me about doing something, you, you mentioned a top five. And I was like, oh, man, I don't think I could do a top five of anything. I was like, right. can, can we do at least can we at least do a 10? Like, it, it's so hard to just narrow, narrow things down. But uh, I think the idea of covering the covers that I've done, it, it's it's good because we could talk about stuff that I did in my career. But at the same time, spend a lot of time talking about my biggest influences and favorite bands and favorite tunes and so yeah, it's a it's a cool way of covering some 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 ground here, and there's so much to work with. I have a an iTunes like uh, playlist with all my covers, and it's over like 300 songs at this point. So yeah, there's wow. pl- plenty to work with here. You know, w- with all the covers I've done through all the years. That's amazing. Before we get started, I want to touch real quick on uh, Sons of Apollo and bring. Uh, people up to speed on what's what's been going on. You guys just launched the video and, and single for Alive, which is doing killer on, on YouTube and stuff I've seen. And you, I think you had a couple weeks off and then you're hitting the road for almost the rest of the year, right? Yeah, we uh, we picked back up in a few weeks uh, going down to South America. And then from there we have uh, you know, a full-on North American tour through the States and a couple of Canadian shows. And yeah, it's pretty much going straight through the end of October uh, full steam all year long. And, uh, it's going to be awesome. We're, we're really, you know, we just did a handful of shows before this little break and it was amazing. And just, it's a, it's a, a such a force on stage that, uh, we can't wait to bring this to stages all around the world. And we have another treat coming out in a, in a, about two weeks from now. I don't know when this will air, but towards the end of March, 
we're going to put out um, a live as a, a CD single with uh, five different alternate versions, including a, an acoustic version and including a Spanish version. Oh, so, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really cool. So uh, we're getting the Spanish version out just in time to go down to South America and Mexico. Oh, that's fantastic. So who translated that? Who, who put that together? Uh, Jeff. Jeff is, uh, you know, he's got a Puerto Rican heritage, so I think he's, he speaks Spanish. And um, you'd have to ask him who coached him. I know he had somebody that helped him do it, but he's uh, he nailed it. It sounds amazing. Oh, that is cool. All right. Exciting. Uh, great. All right. So let's let's get started. You wanted to throw in, uh, we normally do five, and uh, but but sometimes we have three people. So we're still going to sort of do that, but you're going to pick 10 covers that you chose, and I have another five. Um, but I'll let you go first. Um, if you want to count them down or just in, 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 in any old order, however you want to do it. But go ahead with your first one. Well, I, uh, I'll start by saying uh, there were a couple of rules I had to have because, you know, when you have like 300-something covers to choose from, I needed to kind of have some some uh, rules. So one, one thing is that uh, I stayed primarily to Prague, being this is the Prague Report. So uh, that pretty much excluded like the Adrenaline Mob covers cd we did or or metal allegiance you know metal allegiance has done a million covers like i think we rock would have been a great choice if if i was talking about metal covers but uh i pretty much wanted to eliminate the metal stuff and keep it focused more on the prog stuff and uh two other kind of self-imposed rules was that i i wasn't going to uh work with any of my four tribute bands with paul gilbert because that right there is like you know over a hundred covers between the Beatles, Zeppelin, Who, and, and uh, Rush. So I took took out my tribute bands, and I also took out the four Dream Theater um, tr- albums that we covered in, in their entirety. We did uh, Master of Puppets, Number of the Beast, uh, Dark Side of the Moon, and Made in Japan by Deep Purple. So I eliminated all that, the four tribute albums, <laughs> uh, the four tribute bands, and the metal stuff. And so with all that in mind... Um, I'm starting with with a Dream Theater track, and it's the only Dream Theater cover on my list, uh, mainly just because, you know, you know where I'm at these days. I want to focus on all the other things I, I've done. Sure. Uh, but, but of course, I, I did want to get at least one Dream Theater cover in there because we did so many covers all those years that I was with the band. And, you know, in addition to the four full albums we did, we did so many one-offs. And, uh, you know, we did a, the, the Ronnie Scott's cover show in the 90s, and then we did... Uh, uh, you know, all these kind of one-offs that were put out uh, through the official bootlegs. So there was so much to choose from, but I, I chose one from the uh, the Black Clouds and Silver Linings bonus disc, and it's uh, our cover of uh, Odyssey by the Dixie Dregs. Yeah. And that bonus disc that we did with Black Clouds was a lot of fun. I mean, we, we did Stargazer by Rainbow, which was a great one, and we did Lark's Tongue, Lark's Tongue and Aspic by King Crimson. Uh, we did a zebra cover, and it was a, a cool maiden cover on there. Uh, and, but and, I went with um, Queen. Odyssey. You did a Queen one on there too, right? Oh, yeah, actually, that was real close to being on my list too. The, yeah. We did uh, Tenement Funster and uh, Flick of the Wrist and Lily of the Valley. Yeah. That was one of my favorites, uh, a good one. And But I, I went with Odyssey just because it, it's such a great tune, and uh, you know we're all big Dixie Dregs fans, and there's a deep history between us and the Dregs. Um, you know, obviously, uh, Jordan played with them for a little while and Jordan plays with Rod and John Mayung plays with Rod and I play with Steve. Uh, so there's, you know, this, this deep, deep connection between us and the dregs and, and covering Odyssey was a lot of fun. And, and, 
and we also had um, uh, Jerry Goodman played violin on it. Who you know, he's obviously uh, one of the violin players that plays with the Dregs as well. So it was great to have him on the track. And you did Odyssey with Steve with Flying Colors, right? On the first tour, didn't didn't you? That's that was that's true. That was about a couple of years later. And the funny story is. I didn't want to do Odyssey with Flying Colors because I had just done it with Dream Theater. Uh, I was trying to push Steve into doing one of the Kansas songs from the Power album. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was pushing for that because we wanted to have one of one song from each of our bands represented on that first Flying Colors tour. Uh, but uh, Steve, Steve really wanted to do Odyssey. So how could I say no? You know, it was so much fun when we covered it with Dream Theater. And then to be able to cover it with the man that wrote it was, was yeah. an honor. Yeah, that's cool. So, uh, was it difficult learning that song with him, with him being there at that time with Flying Colors versus when you were doing it with Dream Theater? Was it different? Yeah, because with, with Dream Theater, I kind of put my own spin on it, played the, the parts a little heavier, a little faster. Um, but with Steve, you know, watching over my shoulder, knowing every nuance, and you know, he wrote all of those nuances. Yeah, there was a certain amount of pressure to absolutely nail it. And uh, yeah, and I think it was tough for Neil as well. Neil wasn't used to playing that shredding kind of yeah, you know, yeah. dreg style on the keyboards. But yeah, I mean, the dregs are, are such an amazing band and, and they are such an influence on Dream Theater. And, and uh, it was uh, an incredible honor to actually have them out as our opening band on the Scenes from a Memory Tour in 2000. So, uh, you know, getting to play with them each night and having them open for us, which was kind of surreal in, in itself. Um, and then, you know, going on to play with Steve and, and uh, also we toured with Steve when he was in Deep Purple. And so, yeah, there's a, a deep connection between Dream Theater and the Dixie Dregs. Yeah, that's a great one and a fantastic song, Killer. Um, okay, so your next one. What do you got, uh, let's see, for number nine? Uh, the next track is, uh, I'm going to pick a Winery Dogs track. And um, Winery Dogs hasn't done many covers because uh, Richie is very uh, selective over what he wants to cover. And um, the track I chose is, is Love is Alive, which um, we recorded for the Hot Streak album but uh, ended up keeping it off the album, and we only got to recently release it with the Dog Years EP that just came out last year uh, with some of the leftover tracks. So Love is Alive I was a, a cover that I suggested. I remember just hearing it on the radio one day. Uh, you know, it's a classic 70s tune, but kind of under the radar. Not everybody knows it. But uh, I heard it on the radio one day, and I was like, oh, my God, I could hear the winery dogs doing this, just with Richie's voice and – and me and Billy just laying it down. I, I pictured it being as a, a great cover for the band. So we recorded it, and I really wanted it on the Hot Streak album. I thought it would have actually been a, a great 
single, you know, the way yeah, some bands yeah. use covers as singles, you know, Van Halen with You Really Got Me or, you know, there's a couple of other examples. I, I was fighting to have it on the album, but ultimately uh, we left it off. Uh, but we finally got it out. And funny with, with, with Winery Dogs, uh, we actually, when we did the first album, we did an entire CD's worth of covers. We did, we recorded eight covers um, and then ended up shelving almost all of them just because Richie just wasn't feeling it. Like I said, he's pretty selective of what he covers. So in my vaults is an entire uh, <laughs> covers disc from the Winery Dogs that will probably never see the light of day. <laughs> well, you never know. One day, one, maybe one day you can, you know, 20 years from now, sneak it out of something. That is a great song. I love I love old Gary Wright stuff, especially, you know, is that the same album as Dreamweaver? I believe so. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. Yeah, that's that's good stuff. And I saw you guys do that live. It's a little bluesier, right? When, with Richie doing it, it's very cool. Yeah, we we did uh, another one that we covered live was "Fooled Around and Fell in Love," which I thought was really great for Winery Dogs. And even for a few shows, maybe four or five times, we did uh, "I'll Be There" by uh, was it the Four Tops? I think that old Motown tune. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, we've done a few covers, but "Love Is Alive" really came out great. And, uh, and I'm glad we finally got it out on the Dog Years EP. I'm going to throw in uh, my first choice for one of mine and see what what uh, prompted you guys to do this one. So obviously the, you, you're a huge Beatles fan. That's that's as known as, as any as much of the work you've done. But you did one cover on a transatlantic uh, where it was uh, a mix. It was I Need You, but it was a mix of uh, half uh, an America song and, and half of uh, the Beatles song. I Need You. Right. right? right. So, so what prompted that and putting those two together, which sounds really like a full song by itself. Yeah, it's the I need I need you medley. I don't remember what prompted it. I think uh, you know we were sitting around talking around talking about covers for the the whirlwind bonus disc, and all of us in Transatlantic are Beatles fans, uh, not just me and Neil, but Pete and Royna as well, and uh, we're also you know classic seventies pop fans. You know, um, so we were kicking around a few different songs, and I think we talked about um, Sister Golden Hair by by America, but then somehow. Somebody started playing I Need You on acoustic guitar. It might have been Pete, actually. Um, and then we just had this crazy idea of putting the two I Need You together. You know, the America's one and uh, George Harrison's song from the Help album. And it just fit perfectly. Uh, and it also, it's another one of those chances for uh, for us to all sing and share the vocals. So uh, right. I think I, myself and Pete were doing, uh, or myself and Neil did the, the America version, and then, uh, oh, I can't even remember, but I know we split up the vocals, and, and it was a lot of fun. We had a good time with it. That's an underrated song for George, right? Not a lot of people ever bring that one up as, as one of his best ones, but I always thought it was. Yeah, I've never heard that covered, actually. Uh, you know, I, I've heard uh, It's All Too Much covered, and I've heard uh, 
you know, Taxman and all, all the obvious tunes have been covered a million times, but I'd yeah. never heard anybody cover that one. Okay, so uh, let's see. Let's keep going. Uh, number eight is the only one on this list that isn't from one of my bands. It's actually from a, a tribute album I did, uh, the Rush tribute album, Working Man. And that was done back in 95. And it was the first time that I worked with Billy Sheehan, actually. Uh, so that was the, the beginning of what has now become a long relationship together. But uh, at the time, it was the first time we had actually played together. And... Uh, we did this album and I was given kind of free reign to, to pick five or six different tunes on the album and kind of help uh, choose some of the musicians. They gave me a little bit of creative direction on the whole album in, in, in general. But uh, the, the track I'm going to pick here is La Via Strangiato, which is maybe my all-time favorite Rush track. I mean, it's just the ultimate instrumental and um, it's just one of those songs as a drummer that was always like the ultimate challenge, you know, when I was younger. It was the one song that everybody wanted to, to learn how to play. Yeah. And to get to cover it here with Billy, first of all, playing with me, you know, playing with Billy uh, for the first time in a rhythm section was, was really awesome. But also uh, Steve Morse appears for the extended solo in the song. So at the time here, I was playing with, you know, one of my favorite bass players and one of my favorite guitar players. Little did I know, you know, 15 years later, I'd be in two different bands with these guys. But at the time, it was the first time I had played with Billy and Steve Morse, for that matter. And uh, it's just an amazing song. And this version, I, I threw in a lot of nuggets for, for people that are Rush fans. Um, uh, all throughout all of my tracks on Working Man, I did that. But I think in La Via Strangiato, you can hear me hint at uh, the Body Electric from the Grace Under Pressure album at one point. I, I hint at that. And there's a few other things, a few different rhythms and patterns that I shift around and tried some different module, like, uh, you know, rhythmic modulations to change the feels and get a little creative. And I also mixed in a lot of the, the live nuances that, uh, that were from the Exit Stage Left version. So, you know, I, I had fun getting creative for the Rush fans with all these little nuggets throughout. Was that the first album you did with with Magna Carta be, before uh, the Liquid Tension stuff? Yeah, it was. It was it was the first thing I had done with them, and then from from the Working Man album, I, I did a couple tracks on an ELP tribute, and then after that is when they offered me the opportunity to put together uh, LTE. So yeah, that that was the beginning of that relationship. I remember that Working Men album when that came out. That was a big album for a lot of us, like because there wasn't a lot of this kind of stuff out there at the time, you know. And, no, and this was every great musician we knew then on one yeah. album. So, yeah, as, I mean, as much as I've had uh, issues with Magna Carta through the years, I will give them credit that you know in the in the mid '90s 
you know, Inside Out didn't exist yet. So they, they were the go-to label for all of these kind of uh, fun little projects. So yeah, this this was the first one I had, uh, had uh, done with them. Number seven for you. Next group of songs on my list are all transatlantic. Um, there were so many transatlantic covers to, to choose from. Uh, I couldn't resist pulling a bunch of them. So the, the next group of songs are, are all transatlantic ones. Uh, and I'll kind of go through them chronologically. Uh, it's hard to pick a favorite with all these, really. So I'm just kind of bunching them together and trying to, you know. Okay make sense out of it so the first one we did was on the first album and it was in hell twas an eye which is a a procol harem song that not many people knew it was always one of my favorite tunes when i was a kid i mean i it was the first kind of prog prog epic uh probably ever written i think it came out in 68 so it even predates king crimson uh so it's probably technically the very first, you know, long song in, in excess of 15 minutes or so uh, <laughs> for its time. But I was always a fan of it when I was a kid. And w- when we got together for Transatlantic, uh, immediately Royna and I uh, started geeking out on Procol Harum. You know, I, I had never met another Procol Harum fan that knew anything beyond just whiter shade of pale and Royna knew this stuff too and he knew in hell twas an eye and i was like oh my god i can't believe i know somebody else that knows this song we got to cover this and transatlantic to me was the the perfect vehicle to be able to you know dive into these more obscure kind of classic rock prog tunes and um we covered it and actually it was the first of three procol harem songs we, we covered right because uh, right. through the years we also covered a salty dog and Conquistador, both of which I sang lead vocals on, on on those two covers. And A Salty Dog, to this day, remains one of my favorite songs of all time. It's just such a beautiful song. But uh, anyway, talking about In Hell, Twas, and I, uh, the funny thing is we, we put a parenthesis around Twas. So uh, I don't know if you know the story, but th- no. they got they got the title from it's the first word of each section of the song. So... Uh, you know, in is the first word of one section, held was the next section, twas, and so on and so forth. But we cut out the uh, twas tea time at the circus section from the transatlantic version. <laughs> so we, we had to kind of put the twas in parentheses because it, we didn't have that section in, in our version. But uh, this was, a, this, it, this was the, a, a rare case of putting a, a cover on the actual album. It wasn't on the bonus disc or anything like that. It was actually the album closer. And we just felt it really was, uh, you know, it done in true transatlantic spirit. We kind of were faithful to some sections, but other sections we reworked and gave it our own stamp or, or approach. 
Uh, we all split the vocals. It's one of the first times I had sung lead vocals on on any album at that point. And uh, yeah, it's one of my favorite songs of all time and glad that Transatlantic got to, to tackle such an obscure tune. Yeah, I mean, you can count me in the group of knew nothing about Procol Harum other than Wider State of Pale, especially right. going back to, you know, whatever this was, 20... 20 something years ago. No, that's a that's a cool one and really obscure, but fits fits that album. I mean, that that album is for the first Transatlantic album had sort of a lot of different stuff on it. I think you guys were still trying to figure out what the band was going to be. Exactly. And that's why I think we we fell back on having a 17-minute cover song because we didn't know what the chemistry was going to be like making the first album. It ended up being great and it was smooth and no problem, but I think we liked the idea of having the cover to fall back on to take a little pressure off of us, uh, you know, kind of in the getting to know each other phase. I know if I'd been wiser This would never have occurred But I wallowed in my blindness So it's plain that I So my next one is a King Crimson cover you guys did for Indiscipline. Uh, another transatlantic one that you did, right? Um, yeah. And this one you sang, which and you did a great version. That album's that song. I mean, is is crazy. And uh, yeah. when I saw it live uh, on the Prog Nation at Sea Cruise, you guys did it with Adrian Ballou singing it, right? right. Um, which was just epic. That was one of the best moments on that ship. It was so cool. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I love that song. That song is, is, um, I don't know. I don't, I, I still have trouble figuring out that song at all, but it's a great performance by you on that. And, uh, yeah. So why'd you choose that? And, and what's the story behind that one for you? I, I'm pretty sure Neil chose that one, uh, surprisingly, but yeah, um, Neil and I had, uh, covered King Crimson before we'll get to that later. And uh, I covered Crimson with Dream Theater as well with Lark's Tongue. But Indiscipline was always one of the wackiest, craziest Crimson tunes. And it's from the, the 80s lineup, which is such an amazing lineup of, you know, Robert Fripp, uh, Adrian Ballou, Tony Levin and Bill Bruford. So it was just a, a crazy pick, though. I don't know why Neil wanted to cover that one, <laughs> but we had we had fun with it. It's so chaotic musically. Uh, the drums are just all over the place and and i had fun kind of doing some some bill brufordisms and then also getting to throw my own stuff in there and then uh somehow i got elected to i, I won't even use the word sing the song because it's really just a spoken word of insanity but uh I, I got picked to do it and it was a lot of fun but yeah crazy tune but as you mentioned doing it uh live with adrian Ballou was was absolutely incredible on the progressive nation tour the uh progressive nation at sea Cruise, I mean, 
that was surely one of a, a career highlight for me. I do remember one thing. It took hours and hours. But by the time I was done with it, I was so involved, I didn't know what to think. I carried it around with me for days and days, playing little games, like not looking at it for a whole day. And then looking at it to see if I still liked it. I did! Uh, all right, cool. This is awesome. Um, great stories. Uh, let's see. You're at number. You're number six. Oh, we're really flying through this thing. All right, cool. Well, the next one on my list is uh, another one in the transatlantic chunk here, and uh, I'm going chronologically with my transatlantic tunes. So uh, the next one would be the the, uh, the live version of Firth of Fifth that we did uh, on the Live in America CD, uh, which was from the the first tour from the Simpty tour. Um, you know, it, on our first tour, we kind of had to fill out the set with a lot of different covers. Um, so we, we, we did, uh, some Beatles, we did Strawberry Fields and a uh, little magical mystery tour. And we did a medley of all of our individual bands, but we knew we wanted to do a Genesis tune and, uh, we couldn't decide on Watcher of the Skies or Firth the Fifth. So we ended up starting with Watcher of the Skies. And then going into a full version of Firth of Fifth, which to me is one of the greatest prog tunes of all time. I mean, I, I think if I had to pick my three favorite prog songs, uh, this would surely be in it. Firth of Fifth is just so beautifully written and epic. And uh, you could totally hear like uh, the influence on Neil Morse's writing. You know, if when you hear yeah. Firth of Fifth, it sounds like something that would later become a Spock's Beard song. Or, you know, you could just really hear... The influence, but Firth of Fifth was so much fun to cover for Transatlantic. Uh, for me, it was just so exciting to play in a band with Prague purists. You know, after all those years in Dream Theater, I guess by the time we did the first Transatlantic album, I had been in Dream Theater for 15 years, and none of those guys were really like classic Prague fans uh, until Jordan came into the band. But up until that point, when we started Transatlantic, none of those. Dream Theater guys really knew Genesis or or ELP or you know the classic stuff like that. So when I was playing with Transatlantic, it was it was really nice to tap into that stuff. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, Firth the Fifth was just the ultimate cover for us to do. And one interesting point is this is one of the few recordings of Transatlantic Live as the the core four piece. Uh, the first tour was the only time Transatlantic toured with just the four of us. Uh, you know we added Daniel Gildenlow for. Um, for the uh, the bridge and and the whirlwind tour, and then we had Ted Leonard for the kaleidoscope tour. So this live in America recording is is one of the few out there of just the four of us live. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, I love that version. Um, I want to ask you as a drummer the the part of uh, Watcher of the Skies that that drum beat that he plays and Phil Collins plays throughout that song is that challenging as a drummer because time signature wise and everything I always felt like that was something that after about seven minutes of playing that rhythm could get to be hard um yeah if, if you're a beginner if you're not versed in, in prog music it would definitely be a, a complete mind fuck for me <laughs> you know i i kind of grew up with this stuff so to me you know playing patterns like that or playing 
bits in 11.8 or 9.8 or 13. It, it became second nature to me yeah. just because I kind of grew up playing these challenging drum parts. But it's definitely uh, very, very clever. And, and Phil Collins is so underrated as a, as a progressive drummer. Uh, you listen to all those early Genesis albums and, and his playing is incredible. And he's tackling all these odd time signatures with ease. Uh, I think, you know, a lot of times he's he's forgotten about as as for the great drummer that he he was and is uh, from from all those early albums. Yeah, totally agree. Absolutely. I guess we got another couple transatlantic ones here. Uh, what's your next one? Uh, the next transatlantic cover would be Shine On You Crazy Diamond, which was one of the bonus yeah. tracks for Bridge Across Forever. And um, as soon as Royna played those opening notes, those opening David Gilmore notes, we were like, oh, man, this 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 is such a perfect cover for this band. And uh, Royna just nails those atmospheric David Gilmore parts you know it's just so up his alley and uh we had a lot of fun with this we we kind of took the entire piece um and kind of melted it down to an abbreviated version uh marrying the you know the two that are on wish you were here uh but uh, another fun thing about it was the switching vocals and you know that's always fun we all swapped verses and took turns on the verses and um, we only ever played this one live and I think it was captured on the, the live in Europe DVD from Tilburg. And, uh, I think that was one of the only times we ever played it live as well. Um, we got called out. God, that, I mean, you may have heard this story, but it was one of the most amazing shows of my career. Uh, when, when Transatlantic, Transatlantic played, uh, Tilburg on the, the bridge across forever tour mm -hmm. and we finished the show. We had just played over three hours and, uh, we leave the stage and the audience just refused to leave. They just kept cheering and cheering and cheering. And it went on for two minutes, three minutes, five minutes. It went on for 10 minutes. We were in the dressing room. <laughs> I was already toweled off. I may have even jumped in the shower. I, I can't remember. But it was at least a good 15 minutes later where the crew guys came 
came down to the dressing room and said, people are not leaving. They are <laughs> they're just screaming and cheering. So we didn't know what to do. We basically went up there and played Shine On You Crazy Diamond completely unrehearsed and off the cuff. And uh, it was one of those in- incredible memories that I'll always have. Is that on the DVD? I think so. I believe yeah, so. Yeah, I think I did. I think I do remember that. That's amazing. That's got to be awesome. Uh, awesome as a band to have that happen. That's very cool. Yeah. And to pull off that song of all songs, right? Just like, uh, you know, you could have played uh, You Really Got Me or something. Right. Well, the, the the story famously goes that Pete kept saying, drive my car. He kept saying, let's do drive my car. And me and Neil were looking at each other like, what? <laughs> what? Why that one? But we, we, we ultimately decided to try to pull off Shine On and we went out there and did it. That's kick ass. jump in now with uh let's see another one um yeah so this one is another song that you picked that i'd never heard of and i would never have expected uh who who did the original which is crazy horses which um was by the osmonds which is just a fun song and and wild and intense and you know i thought it might be completely different have when i first heard it actually the first time i heard it was when you guys did it live on the momentum tour right i know i know the Actually, the bonus track is on Lifeline, but I, for whatever reason, didn't have that bonus CD or something. I don't know. And uh, so I heard you sing it on uh, the Momentum Tour and then went back and checked out the Osmonds. And I was surprised that they did try and make sort of a heavy rock song with that. I I thought that maybe you guys amped it up a bit, but it wasn't entirely different, um, which was even more surprising. But um, I never would have expected that of all songs, but it's a fun version and a, and just a, a killer live song, actually. It, it was fun to do it live, and uh, I would get to come out front and sing it, and Neil would play drums. Uh, but I knew I had to sing the uh, the studio version as well. The studio version, uh, we have Paul Gilbert on guitar as well. Paul was another one that knew the song. Uh, I had to like try to convince Neil into this. He was like, what? What are you talking about, Osmonds or whatever? I was like, no, I'm telling you, man. This song is awesome. It's going to be killer. I remember being a kid in in the early 70s, and that came out, and it was like one of the heaviest things I'd ever heard. I used to listen to that record over and over and over. And there's other songs on that album that are just as good. They have a song called Hold Her Tight, which is also pretty heavy. So for its time, it was was pretty rocking. But uh, Paul Gilbert knew the tune as well, and Paul even knew... Um, that it was like I always assumed it was Donny Osmond singing that bridge with the with the high vocals. Yeah. Um, and uh, it turns out no, Paul was like, "Oh no, that's not Donny. That's Merrill." I mean, he even knew <laughs> Osmond sang the bridge or, or the chorus, or whatever it was. But yeah, that was fun. It, those cover to cover CDs that me, Neil, and Randy did were 
all so much fun. I mean, God, we got to pull out some really fun tracks on there. I mean, we we covered, uh, you know, not only the Osmonds, but the Bee Gees and the Monkees. So we were able to do some really cool, obscure kind of pop rock tunes. But then we also got to do some great, you know, 60s and 70s stuff by like, you know, Cream and, and um, you know, David Bowie. The version we did of Rock and Roll Suicide is one of my favorites. And we got to do some Chicago and Joe Jackson and all these, you know, fun, fun covers. Those cover to cover CDs are kind of my go to fun cover discs. And a lot of times I'll give those out to a lot of people if, if they don't know Neil or, or, or have never heard any of the covers I've done. Those are kind of my go to discs just because there's so much fun stuff on there. Um, you know, Paul McCartney, George Harrison. It's just every one of them are just fun, cool 60s and 70s tunes. But so you as a as like a, a teenager at the time, let's say you're into, you know, Zeppelin and Sabbath and, you know, all this other sort of rock stuff. Um, where do you come across listening to, you know, the Osmonds or, you know, Gary Wright and all, all uh, this different stuff? Like where where does that come into play? I mean, you or people out there listening know me as knowing my prog and I know my metal. But, man, you'd be surprised at the depths of, of crazy shit that I've grown up listening to. I mean, uh, I mean, I just tweeted yesterday or two days ago about my love for the Pretenders. You know, there's a whole side of me that loved, uh, you know, the punk rock and new wave scene. You know, I loved the Clash and the Sex Pistols and, and uh, Devo and, and crazy stuff like that. And and then, you know, if you look back in the, the 60s and 70s, I was listening to everything from the Monkees to the Osmonds to those those early Cheech and Chong albums. I mean, I just I just craved music as a, as a kid and I just wanted to listen to everything out there. And, uh, you know, a lot of times it was stuff I was learning off of the radio. You know, we didn't have Internet, obviously. And uh, so I listened to a lot of radio and, uh, you know, sometimes you'd fall upon some of these obscure tracks that's uh, probably how I heard of the Osmonds, or I guess watching TV. Uh, I think the Osmonds had a TV show back then in the early 70s. Uh, so, yeah, you know, you just kind of – I've always been a musical sponge. Uh, you'd be shocked at the, the, the diversity of stuff that's in my my iTunes. It's, it's, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. How many songs are on there? Uh, let me see. I have it right in front of me. Let me see. Uh, 70,000 songs. <laughs> 200 uh, no 523 gigs wow. so apparent apparently to listen to my whole library it would take it says 235 days actually wow. that's surprising i would have thought it would have taken more to be honest yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's jump back in the year list. Let's do a couple more from you. Uh, are you still on Transatlantic? You did three Transatlantics. Yeah, I have, I have one last one um, to round out the Transatlantic bunch. And 
It was from the uh, Kaleidoscope bonus disc, and it's uh, the, the cover of And You and I by Yes. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, with The Whirlwind, to t- take it back an album, with The Whirlwind, we did a, a bonus disc with four covers, um, which was so much fun. And I love all the Transatlantic guys uh, are, are so into covers as well. So we've always tackled them. God, we even did the entire side two of Abbey Road on the Bridge Across Forever tour. So yeah, we've always been into covers. But when we did the Kaleidoscope album, we, we decided to do an entire covers disc. And I think it has eight or 10 tracks on it. I don't remember offhand, but it's a full disc of covers. Mm-hmm. And to me, the most epic of them all was, was And You and I, which was Neil's suggestion. Uh, it, it does happen to be one of my favorite songs of all time as well. But Neil suggested it, and we were at first a little hesitant because all the covers were kind of more fun and light and easy, you know, Nights in White Satin or Goodbye Elbrook Road. Uh, we didn't know if we wanted to try to tackle such an epic song, which is so uh, sacred to Prague fans. You know, that's one of the most classic of all Yes songs. Uh, but Neil twisted our arms, and we dug in, and we did it, and it ended up coming out really, really great. And uh, like I said, it's one of my favorite songs ever. And uh, we actually got the uh, incredible fortune of performing it live with John Anderson uh, on the Progressive Nation cruise as well. In fact, if, if, if we had released that set, I think I may have chosen the, the version we did of, with John of uh, Side One of Topographic Oceans as one of my favorite covers of all time, because that was... That was a huge challenge. We we did uh, the, the revealing science of yeah. uh, we, we did that uh, on Progressive Nation as well as and you and I and um, Long Distance Runaround and Starship Trooper, but uh, John John was hesitant for us to release it, release it, so we we never released it. I have a great version of it here on my iTunes, but it was one <laughs> of the favorite covers I've ever done. Was that topographic co- cover just because it was so challenging. Uh, but in it, it, for purposes of this piece, uh, going with things that have been released, and you and I would be my choice. We, did he pick the, the songs you guys were going to play live? Was that his decision? Well, originally, he and I were talking, um, you know, and my suggestion was to do the whole Close to the Edge album, which is only three songs, because I knew I wanted to do And You and I, because Transatlantic had just covered it. So I figured we could do... Uh, uh, close to the edge and Siberian cat true as well. And that would have been an amazing set right there. But John wasn't into it. He wanted to, in his words, keep it simple. So he was like, well, let's just stick with, <laughs> let's just stick with the simple stuff like starship trooper and long distance run around. And that was what the set was going to be. It was going to be just, uh, and you and I long distance run around and starship trooper. And then about a week later, he calls me up and he's like, you know, I had a dream last night of us doing, uh, side one of topographic oceans and i'm like oh my god i thought you wanted to keep it simple like he, he just dove off the deep as the deepest end you possibly could and uh you know of course i said yeah let's do it if you're up for it absolutely so he ended up choosing that one and that was one of the, the hardest songs i've ever covered we had to spend weeks rehearsing that on the transatlantic tour leading up to the cruise just because it's it's such a complex arrangement. I mean, the playing wasn't that difficult. We can all handle the playing, but the, the arrangement is just so crazy and unorthodox. Uh, it wasn't until we actually started rehearsing it with John and he's kind of conducting these sections uh, and transitions. Then it started to make sense. Okay, you follow John and he's kind of just weaving you through this, this, 
this labyrinth. But, you know, to rehearse it without a conductor was was crazy trying to understand how these parts all fit together. <laughs> I saw him live a couple of times on the ARW tour. And uh, uh, I, I noticed that more than I ever did with him was his conducting on stage. Yeah. And how he's, he's navigating. He knows every drum fill that's going to happen, when it's going to happen. I mean, exactly. it's, it's remarkable how, how yeah. he is on stage. I always wondered how his writing, you know, fit into the, the puzzle of, of, of Yes's writing. Because, you, you know, you had Chris Squire and Bill Bruford and Steve Howe, Rick Wakeman. You had these guys that were probably, you know, they could have each written their own symphony and orchestra and i was wondering like how did john anderson fit into the puzzle and now i know i mean he was he's the centerpiece he's the conductor he's the yeah. glue that's fitting all this together uh I, i've been very fortunate to have such great history with yes you know from from dream theater touring with them in 2004 to the transatlantic set with john uh to the chris squire tribute that i put together on cruise to the edge a few years ago and i got to do all that wonderful you know, obscure yes stuff and do the, the, the fish out of water stuff. Uh, so yeah, my, my history with doing yes covers runs pretty deep as well, but back to what we're talking about, uh, transatlantic's version of end you and I is, is definitely one of my favorites. Yeah, for sure. Between the down to the the top three what's your next one um i'm gonna move into a one, one more of the neil morse cover to cover tunes and like i said earlier um you know most of those discs are made up of you know light fun pop songs uh but another one of the neil suggestions that initially scared the crap out of me uh but he eventually convinced us into tackling was was king crimson King Crimson's Starless, which, um, you know, I think may be one of the greatest prog songs ever written. It is just a masterpiece. And when Neil, you know, suggested it, it was like, well, yeah, of course, I, I love that song. It's one of my favorites ever. But how could you do it justice? It's such a complex yeah. uh, piece of music just in terms of like the orchestration and the nuances. The nuances in that song are insane between the drum beats and the off beats and then the, the, the incredible bass line in the middle of the song and those weird Robert Fripp, scary, creepy notes that are just building and building. It's such a masterpiece. Uh, 
and myself, Neil, and Randy dug in, and we and we we took it on. And at the end of the day, I couldn't be prouder of of the end result. I think we really did it justice. And I remember sending a, a copy of it over to Bill Ruford to check out, and Bill loved it. And you know, I got, I got his seal of approval on it, which was incredible. And uh, later on, John Wetton told me the same. Uh, so yeah, it, it was. Uh, you know, such a piece of music to tackle, and and I think Neil, Randy, and myself actually uh, did it justice. get uh emails or whatever you got back from those guys saying you know hey nice job it's gonna feel good yeah Um, okay uh i think i'll let me do you know what uh let me see if i'm counting down right so that was three you got two more i'll do two my two that i have left and so you can finish off at the end here um so number two that i picked is uh is a, a great song, one that I love by really, I'm going to say one, one of my favorite bands of all time that um, I always go to when I'm not listening to, you know, the, the prog stuff is uh, the uh, ELO cover you guys did for Can't Get oh, yeah. Out of My Head. I, for me, Jeff Lynn has always been a genius up there with McCartney and uh, everyone else. And I, I think he's, I mean, all you need to know about the guys when the Beatles were doing their reunion thing with the right. Free as a Bird and all that, they went to him. And so yeah. I think that's all all that you need to know is exactly. about that guy and um that's a great that's a great song. I think it was sort of like their first real hit and um uh, I love the band. I'm I'm glad he's getting recognition back now and got into the Hall of Fame and people starting to you know, he's selling out arenas now in the states. I mean it's yeah. it's pretty cool. Oh. It's really cool to see, I think. And so I mean how, what's your sort of history with ELO and and how much of a fan are you of them? I I'm a huge fan. I love them. Uh I remember listening to them Back in the early 70s, I remember, I think the first thing I heard was was Roll Over Beethoven when they came out with that off their second album. And um, I, yeah, I think it might have been Royna that suggested doing this cover. And I think it was a great suggestion. Uh, it's such a such a John Lennon-esque type of song. I mean, Lennon could have easily have written this song. And like you said, uh, the fact that Jeff Lynne was kind of standing in for George Martin and John Lennon you know, uh, producing uh, the the Beatles reunion essentially with "Free as a Bird" and "Real Love," it's incredible. And then, of course, he went on to do uh, the Traveling Wilburys with George, and he was a big part of the concert for George after George passed away. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, Jeff Lynne is, you know, a, a musical genius, and 
Uh, but yeah, I love this song. I actually, I still would love to cover uh, Fire on High, which I think is an incredible instrumental, and I could totally picture covering that with one of my bands. So I wouldn't be surprised if that happens at some point, you know, in, in my career. Uh, but there's so many great songs. God, I mean, uh, you know, Strange Magic and Evil Woman and Telephone Line and uh, Living Thing. God, I, well, Living Thing is, uh, whenever I hear that now, That's I think That's such of a great Nights. song, yeah. And I think the last scene of Boogie Nights, which is my favorite film of all time. So, uh, but yeah, even like Do Ya, which was originally a, a song by The Move. It was a, a remake of one of his earlier tunes from The Move. So, yeah, I love I love all that early yellow stuff, and I'm actually hoping I can catch him on tour this this year. I'd love you to should, see the show. You should do the uh, yeah. They had a little prog song there with uh, 10538 Overture. That that yeah, could oh, be yeah. one one you could yeah, do there as well. Another one, and that was also when I hear that now I think of uh, uh, what was the American uh, American what was the movie a couple of years ago uh, with Bradley Cooper. And oh yeah, Jeff- American uh, Hustle. Amer- yeah, American Hustle. Right, which- that was a- they use that song really well in there. My last one here is, uh, yeah, I got to go with another Genesis song with the return of the giant hogweed, which um, that's that's an interesting song as well. I mean, that song's all over the place and nuts and and all crazy Peter Gabriel, you know, off his rocker lyrics. Um, uh, I I mean, I'm assuming that's just that's that's another just your guys love a Genesis and try and find something weird from them to play. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you picked that because it was tough for me to not pick it on my list. Um, that was from the the Whirlwind bonus disc, and uh, you know, at, as I said earlier, when we covered Firth the Fifth, uh, you know, there's so many Genesis songs we would have loved to have covered. We, you know, we'd love to have covered Supper's Ready or, or uh, you know, uh, In the Cage or whatever. But yeah, we eventually came back to the Return of the Giant Hogweed, which is you know, when you think about it, it might be the first song with heavy metal guitar tapping i think steve hackett was he doesn't get credit for being like one of the first guys to tap on guitar everybody immediately gives that credit to eddie van halen it, it really is hackett i've heard him i think i've heard him even say that that he yeah, was that I mean, he was doing it back then he was doing it back then he was the first person doing that but listen to that tone it was so heavy metal and so raunchy and and uh, once again transatlantic had the honor of performing this song live with with steve hackett so another example where we were able to actually play one of these covers with the the guy that that uh you know was part of the original and uh it's such a great cover so i'm glad you chose it because it was uh so much fun to do and and, and neil is just loving 
uh, doing a, his Peter Gabriel impression. Yeah, he's, he sounds perfect on that song yeah. locally. It's right up his alley. As a result of us doing that cover, Steve had uh, Neil sing uh, on one of his albums doing yeah. a version. Yeah, the yeah. Genesis Revisited 2 uh, that he did. Let's get down to your final two here that you got. My final two are, are both examples of uh, really tackling a cover and taking it to some completely new original places and being able to be very creative with them. So uh, in the number two position uh, is Liquid Tension Experiment with our cover of Rhapsody in Blue, which is, um, you know, a, a classical – I don't know if it's – kind of part classical, part jazz, but it was George Gershwin, and uh, I had always wanted to cover it. Uh, I had always been trying to cover it with Dream Theater, and we just never got around to it. It was never appropriate to do live or record, uh, but it was always on my to-do list to do with Dream Theater one day, and uh, Liquid Tension Experiment got together for our 10th anniversary to do some live shows in 2008. And then I just decided that was the perfect time. You know, let's tackle it and create our own arrangement of this song. And being that LTE is an instrumental band, it seemed like the perfect outlet to tackle an instrumental kind of classical piece. And man, we, we just kind of made it our own. It goes through so many different sections and different ups and downs. And we were able to kind of put a, a shreddy, a shreddy, uh, touch to it and do other moments that were like really moody and melodic there's a middle breakdown uh where we kind of just bring it down to kind of yes close to the edge kind of territory with really moody volume swells and everything like that so we we used that approach in rhapsody in blue and i think we enjoyed it so much that when we started writing the next dream theater album black clouds we ended up incorporating that middle section into the count of tuscany but i think that was directly as a result of oh is that in there oh that's so cool yeah, okay. but it was a direct result of us doing that kind of vibe first with this Rhapsody in Blue uh, cover. And, and like I said, this is one of those covers where we really made it our own.
see. All right, the big uh, number one, drum roll. Well, this was hard to pick, but I think if I had to pick one of the, the coolest covers I've ever done, it would be uh, MacArthur Park with the Neil Morse Band. And all the credit has to go to Bill Hubauer. Um, this was Bill's baby. And I remember it was, uh, I guess, sometime on the Momentum Tour, I was saying how much I wanted to do a cover of MacArthur Park. I'd always wanted to do a cover of MacArthur Park. <laughs> it was another one of those songs that was just on my list. And I do carry a list. I have a list in my phone of maybe 50 covers that I still want to do. So I, I'm always thinking about them. But uh, I told Bill how I wanted to do MacArthur Park. And he was like, he took it as a challenge to come. The problem was, is that Neil hated the song. And right. Neil was like, <laughs> oh, my God, it's the worst song ever. I'm not going to do a cover of that song. It's horrible. And I was like, no, I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you, it could be an amazing prog cover. And Bill said, all right, I accept the challenge. I'm going to do an arrangement that will win Neil over and we'll do this. So when we went in to do the Grand Experiment album, uh, Bill brought in this demo of his version of MacArthur Park. And if you listen to it, he actually goes through the entire history of Prague in this cover because there's each section is kind of in the style of a classic Prague band. Um, there's a se one section that is totally done as Marillion. It's Marillion's uh, King of Sunset Town. It's got that exact feel. Then there's another section that's pretty much done in the style of the Dixie Dregs. There's another style, another section in there that's done in the style of Yes. Another section that's done in the style of Genesis. There's even a section that's done in the style of Transatlantic, like full-on Neil Moore's Boxbeard Transatlantic prog. So huh. Bill kind of took this song and kind of created the history of prog you know, throughout this, this entire journey of this one song. And sure enough, he won Neil over. Uh, Bill still had to do a lot of the singing because Neil was still <laughs> – he, he didn't want to be singing about bringing the cake out in the rain and all that <laughs> stuff. But uh, we ended up tackling this song, and to this day, it's probably one of the, my favorite covers that I've ever done. And it's just uh, another example of where you could just get really creative with a cover. And that's that's what Bill likes to do. I keep trying to urge – the Neil Morse band into doing a new cover to cover CD uh, as the Neil Morse band. Oh, the five of you. Sure. Yeah. But Bill refuses to do it. Bill won't just go there and, and just play a, you know, a, a, a Bowie cover or an Elvis Costello cover. He, he wants to get in there and rearrange the song entirely, um, which obviously takes a lot of time and energy and effort. Uh, so if there's going to be another cover to cover album with the Neil Morse band, it will probably have to have a lot of bills rearranging in order for him to be willing to do it. Cause he, he's to him, that's when you're going to do a cover, you got to do it that way. And I, you know, there's something to be said for that, but it's a lot of work. Well, it's a, it's a much better version than the, the Donna summer one. I think we can all yeah. agree, agree on that, which uh, yeah. for, for most, I mean, for the longest time, I didn't know about the original version, honestly. And so that, awful disco version is just something that no one needs to hear when this one's around. I, this I now think is the definitive version of MacArthur yeah, Park. Absolutely. Uh, but just real quick before I let you go here, uh, speaking of Neil Morse band, I know you guys recently shared a picture that you guys had a Skype meeting about the new album. Where, where is that for people that are wondering? Oh, uh, we're all wondering ourselves as well. <laughs> <laughs> we, we pretty much wrote uh, we wrote the entire album back in, uh, I think it was January when we got together. And um, like I've mentioned, maybe to you or maybe elsewhere, um, 
it's very much in the style of solo scriptura or bridge across forever. It's long songs. Um, it's, uh, I think it's an amazing album, but, uh, the honest answer is, uh, we're still doing some, re some tweaking to the arrangements and, uh, Neil had some ideas that he wanted to incorporate. So now we're doing some rearranging to what we had written. We, we, we could have recorded the album as is, and it would still have been amazing, but Neil's got some uh, some inspiration that we're kind of injecting into what we currently have. So we're still in the kind of rearranging mode. And once we get that to where we're all happy, uh, we'll begin the tracking. And, um, you know, we'll see where the timeline puts us. But I would assume we should have something out by the end of this year or early next year and as much touring as we can to follow. Kick ass. And, uh uh, everybody's looking forward to it, I'm sure. But first, uh, let me thank you on this hour. This was a lot of fun, and I think uh, hopefully everybody learned a lot and if and, and enjoyed it. I think I did, uh, for sure. Um, thank you for that, and good luck on the tour, spreading Sons of Apollo all over the world to all these other countries. I think they're going to get a kick out of it. Yeah, thank you, man. All right, man. Have a good one. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, man. Bye. Bye-bye. 